Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we'll be talking about the topic of hiring family with Craig Daimler, former owner of Daimler Family Construction, current salesperson for Alco Products, and longtime RA facilitator. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Greg Wallach. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. As I always do, and I hope you never get tired of hearing it, send me ideas. I'd love to get your ideas on the podcast. I did get an email from a listener a couple of days ago saying, you know, giving me three ideas. We're going to work to get those on the show. Also, for those of you who may have missed the introductory uh, podcast, the voice you just heard was Greg Wallach, my new co-host. And he's um, taking over my roles at Remodelers Advantage over the next six months or so. And is going to be my co-host for the podcast for that length of time. I just wanted to make sure you understood that um, Greg has some skills. And the more I learn about him, the more I see his skills. He's been a lead carpenter. He's been a project manager. He's been a consultant before joining RA. Uh, He has some skills that go beyond what I've been able to master, particularly in the technology area as well as in uh, green building, that sort of thing. And so if you're interested in those kinds of things and you want some feedback from him on those things, get in touch with him, greg at remodelersadvantage.com. So I've seen it work and not work, right? I've been in many, many, many companies all around this country. So hiring family into the business, okay? In some cases, The people that are hired in, the family, they bring skills that are needed to the business and they actually improve the company. Like perhaps they have a better grasp on technology than the founder of the company, or maybe they simply have been to school, like for marketing or for uh, technology or for something like that, that will actually bring a great resource uh, to the company. Now, I hate to go to the other extreme, But honestly, folks, in some cases, it's merely a handout. And the owner slash parent tries hard to get son, daughter, spouse, whoever it is, to take on a role within the business, like the marketing or managing in some kind of of situation. But it does not hold. It does not work. And in many cases, they're reluctant to pull the trigger, so to speak. I don't know if that's politically correct anymore to say pull the trigger. Maybe I should find another phrase for that. So in a lot of these companies, the transition from mom and dad to a son or daughters can be a a screaming success. I've seen it happen uh, probably more dramatically in the last 10 years than before that. These people have truly learned the business. They've won the support of the employees and really important here. They have the skills that are required to do whatever task they're taking on within the business. And then I've seen something as simple as getting a son or a daughter in the office with seemingly no real function. In other words, they're there, but they don't seem to be doing much. 
I've seen this absolutely destroy the morale of the team. And so sometimes it can work, but it's definitely not automatic. Our guest today has some experience with this personally and as a facilitator for our uh, roundtables program. Uh, so he's seen it as an outsider. He's seen it as an insider. And so I'd like to see what our guest has to say about this today. So, Greg, let's get started. Hey, Tim. We're thrilled to have Craig Daimler with us today. Craig formerly owned Daimler Family Construction. And since 2020, he's served as the top performing salesperson for Alco Products. He's also a longtime and very popular, by the way, roundtables facilitator here at Modeler's Advantage. Welcome, Craig. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's great to have you on. We were joking a little bit before we actually got on the show that uh, I have been totally remiss in not having you on the podcast before today. And I apologize for that because there's so much good information there. But We'll stick with what we're talking about now, and we'll have you back for some of the other stuff. So give us a little bit more about your experience with family in a business. So growing up, I actually worked out in the field. I started pushing a broom when I was 12 years old. I'm sure a lot of the listeners on this show grew up the exact same way. They started at the very bottom. They worked their way up maybe in summer jobs. And I actually learned from some really great craftsmen growing up how to put things together, which I think gives me a really unique advantage in my selling side. But a lot of summers were spent actually putting things together. My dad, however, didn't really ever want me to go into this business because he <laughs> knew how hard it was. Okay. And at the time, you know, he wasn't necessarily making a ton of money or anything. So he's like, go do your thing. But I still did it during the summer months. And he always made sure that before I went back to school, my last two weeks would always be spent breaking out concrete. He'd save up all the concrete jobs until then. And then he wouldn't give me a jackhammer. He would make me do it with a sledgehammer. And his words to me were, the next time that you don't want to study hard in school, you remember this, this will be your life. So oh, I love it. I love it. This day, you know, Almost 40 years later, I'm still, I still remember that lesson. And uh, how I actually got into it was a couple other words of advice from my dad were, if you're working here because you are my son, you are going to have to work twice as hard as anyone else to make sure that they don't feel like that it is nepotism or just a handout or something of that nature. And that really stuck with me as well. Not everybody has those same lessons or guidance right. given to them. But from that perspective, my dad, I thought was really smart. And I think it helped a whole lot because growing up and working really hard and working beside these guys, when I actually would work in summers with them, they had a lot more respect. It wasn't just me being given a job for the summer. Right. And I know that at times during my career there, there would be times where my nephew would come in or other family members would come in and they would work just for a summer um, to just get some work experience overall. And at the time that they were hired, we never hired somebody just to give them a job. It was always because we were in need of something for that period of time. And we thought they might be a good sub 
you know, ability to get that in and then decide if we really wanted to hire that position full time. Okay. So we always tried to match that up. All right, great. And then I think you said that the company that you're selling for now is a family-based company as well? It is. It's a third-generation family business. Uh, currently, both brothers and the mom and dad work there. Uh, we all work alongside of them. And, you know, it's a very interesting dynamic to see from my perspective now as an employee what's going on in a family business versus what it was like when I was actually working with my parents and spouse, et cetera. Yeah, I, I tell people often that when I went to do some work for Rhode Island Kitchen and Bath, it was very interesting to be on the labor side of the lead carpenter system and not on the management side. So I got to see the world from a little bit different perspective. And it, it it's very, very interesting to see that. So both with your family and after seeing a lot of companies through the RA facilitation world, what are some of the reasons that people will hire family? And we can go, you know, the positive reasons as well as some of the ones that we really don't want people to have. But let's let's talk about both sides of that. Some of the positive reasons that I've seen, and you kind of hinted at it at, it at the very beginning, is that, you know, a second generation might come along and they've got experience because they've gone to school in marketing or business management. And many times these business owners, when they start their businesses, have none of that. They work their way up. They just wanted to be independent. They didn't want to deal with all this. And then, of course, their companies grow and they don't have necessarily the skill sets that are needed at that time. So I've seen people where they actually send their kids to school for specific things because they know that that's what's going to be needed in the company. All right, good. Grow it, et cetera. And it has worked out really well for them. Um, there have other, been other times where they've just been hired because they needed a summer job. They couldn't get an right. internship or whatever. And, you know, mom or dad that has the construction company, they were happy to give them a job for the summer. And it was just to get them through while they're in school. Uh, I've also seen where they've come out of school and they couldn't get a job and then they were given one and they were just kind of plopped into places. And this is where I think it can be a, a really big detriment to companies because it wasn't well thought out. Where I've seen it really successful is when the business owner says, we have these business needs. And while if we were to interview people, they would truly select their child as the best candidate for that position. Not because they were their child, but because they were actually the best candidate. Even with spouses, I've seen spouses being brought into a business because, you know, the most common thing to give up is bookkeeping. And I've seen right. many times where they'll bring the spouse in and they'll be doing the books and things, and they have no training in doing that whatsoever. And when you look at their books, you can tell they right. had no training in it. Uh, and it's not necessarily insurmountable, but they did it sometimes just because it was cheap labor. Right. And it's a really bad reason to bring somebody, a family member into the business because it's cheap labor. Right, right. If you're not going to pay them a going rate for it, what's, or do you really have a business or not? Yeah, I think sometimes that, especially with the bookkeeper thing, somebody's doing it like after hours, you know, at home. And, and so they say, hey, well, we might as well pay you on the payroll. Why don't you come into the business and, and do that as well? 
Yeah. All right. So when we were chatting about this, I mean, everybody that listens to the podcast knows that I this is not just off the cuff conversation. We've we've got some things written down that we want to chat about. But you mentioned something about the difference between expectations and capabilities. And so talk talk a little bit more about that and how that relates to family. So every business has expectations of an employee. And right. whether you're a family member or not, you are still an employee of that company. And that role that they are filling has expectations. They need to get certain things done because if they can't get those done, what's the point of having a body there? And many times, especially in smaller businesses, they've got to be able to do multiple different jobs because they can't just focus on one. They have to kind of be a jack of all trades for some things. Some people are really good at that and other people aren't. And so you have to be very clear what the expectations are for that role whenever you are looking at bringing somebody in. Um, so you've got the expectations side of it set. And what was the other side? I'm sorry, I forgot. Capabilities. Capabilities. Yeah. Then you have to match up the capabilities of that individual. If you are going to create, and most people would normally do this, they have the expectations. They've got the job description. These are the things that we want down. But then are they truly capable of doing it? If you need a multitasker that can flip between a whole lot of different things and switch their brain every time they take on one of those different roles, and that person is not capable of doing that, they're being set up to fail. So understanding what that person's personality needs to look like, and I know that Ramallah's Advantage does a lot with the disc testing, right. and whether or not that's going to fit well with that particular person. I've seen other profiling things that are used for uh, testing personalities, that will even go as far as testing how far somebody can stretch out of their comfort zone right. before they actually snap back. And But the problem is if they can stretch really far, when they snap back, it can be a real catastrophe. Right, right. So taking a look at those things as well for their capabilities, and do they have the training? Do they have the understanding of what is needed in that? Do they have the ability to make those connections to get them the information that they need. So other than like a pro profiles, which I'm very, very familiar with, um, I mean, I, I don't know how many times, and it, it isn't just family, but I can see it more with family where business owners particularly have said, um, I really think this person can do it. And then after six months, it's a total failure. They, they can't do it. So how do we, how do we, I guess, particularly with family, because that's the topic of this discussion, but how do we really measure capabilities up front, especially when there's, pardon the term, already a prejudice? I mean, I love this person. This person is wonderful. They've been such a good son or daughter. How do I realistically measure their capabilities for a particular position? This is where it gets really hard. You have to be able to almost segment it and put that information that you know about this person, that family member, into a totally separate box, <laughs> set it on a shelf, and forget everything that you know about them. And that is really hard for a lot of people to do, is to forget all of that and uh, treat it like, I don't know this person. So ask the right questions like you would in any interview right. of this person. 
and don't feed them information because you've got a history with them <laughs> or anything like that. Right. You've got to let them struggle and answer those questions to the best of their ability. And then you have to evaluate it based upon that. And not everybody's capable of creating those little boxes and right. setting them aside. Um, they, they look at it as a whole. I'm fortunately very good at segmenting the different right. things and I don't let it get personal. Right. Um, because it clouds your judgment. Yeah. You have to look at it in with an impartial eye. I'm just sitting here thinking about <clears throat> how weird it would be for a business owner to say to somebody in the office, hey, I've got somebody coming in for a job interview on Tuesday at one o'clock. And the person goes, oh, who's that? And they go, oh, it's Robert Fowler. That's my son. You know, and, and the person look at him and go like, so have you ever known anybody that literally put their family member in the queue to be interviewed? That yes. just seems you have. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the ones that work out the best. And if you are, I personally don't think that a family member should interview another family member. Right. I think they should be able to hear the answers to the questions, but I don't believe that they should be the one interviewing because they are going to most times be biased. And yeah. I love it when the companies are large enough that they can have a whole team of other people do the interviewing that are not the family members. Yeah. So that you don't yeah. get that prejudice. Yeah. We, um, Greg and I actually talked with a, a, a member company the other day. They had some, they just had some challenges hiring. And, and one of my my thoughts was, I wonder if they're doing team interviews or if only the owner general manager is doing the interviews or not. And I think that might change the dynamic is having that team and especially with family. This, this other situation had nothing to do with family, but it just seemed like that might be a good solution and particularly with family. Another alternative is to actually use an outside hiring agency. Right that they are doing the pre-screening questions and see if they get through that process. Yeah. If you've worked with that third party to create what are the pre-screening questions that need to be, and then you send them through that system so that they, one of the important sides is making sure that you have a system for everything. And the interviewing process is absolutely no different. Making sure that it is consistent every single time, that no matter who's coming through, family member or not, they go through that process. They yeah. shouldn't be able to jump the line. That's my personal opinion. Okay. So we've, we've jumped a little bit into the, the next thing that I wanted to ask about. And that is like, what should be the system? What should be the process uh, for someone who is thinking about hiring a family member? And I, and there's a couple of examples that come to mind. I, I think I got this right, and I hope that Bruce and Charlie will forgive me if I didn't get it right. But I believe Bruce Case, who's now the CEO of um, Case Remodeling Design in the Washington, D.C. area, I believe his dad basically required him to work at almost every position in the company. He He worked in sales. He worked in design. He worked in production all the way through the company. Probably didn't do the bookkeeping per se, but... But and now he has a skill. And I know for sure that um, Jake Schlegel told Charlie Schlegel when he came into the business, he, well, when he got ready to go to work, he said, you go work someplace else for two years 
And then you, if you want to be in this business, you can come back and be in the business. But it was like, you got to go get some work experience someplace else. So those are two sort of illustrations of, of things that people have done. And it's worked really, really well for both of those companies. So do you have thoughts on what that system, what the steps ought to be? One, two, three, four, or something like that? One of the best things I ever heard, I belonged to a group at one point in time called the Family Business Resource Center, which is out of Elizabethtown College. And it was for family businesses. And they had things very similar to what Remodelers Advantage does for their uh, professional level groups right? or the PMRTs. And they actually suggested that a minimum of five years and preferably closer to 10, that any family member coming out of college had to go work somewhere else before they could ever even think about being interviewed for a position within the family business. Wow. Five to 10. Five to 10. Wow. And the reason they used that amount, this was their logic behind it, was that you probably won't be in one company for more than about two years, especially when you're first starting, you're going to want to try new things. It may not be a fit initially. So getting out there and getting a lot of different experiences allowed them when they came into the family business to have all this other institutional knowledge that's outside of what they would have otherwise had if they had just come into the family business. Yeah. So I actually like that idea an awful lot. I think it has a lot of value. Um, I think it really depends as far as whether or not you work your way through the different aspects where you are going to be going with the company. Are you going to be the CEO of the company at one point? Or are you just going to be, for lack of a better term, a cog in this big machine? Right. You know, I think in Bruce's case, he had to, he was going to become the CEO. Yeah. So knowing all of the different parts, I think can be very important because you have an understanding of how does that department function? Right. Um, Inadvertently, I did all of that when I was growing up because I worked in the field. (laughs) And then one summer I came home and my dad's like, I really need some help with sales. I'm going to show you how to estimate. So I ended up doing that. That's where I actually fell in love with doing it because it was so much fun. I had sold my dad's entire annual revenues in one summer. And no concrete. And no concrete. It was the best. (laughs) And that allowed me to really realized that I love sales a whole lot. I love doing the design side of it. And I realized I had a, an affinity towards that. Right. So for, I think it really depends upon the person okay. and what does the company need? That's the biggest thing. If I, if you take nothing else away, it should always be, what does the company need in order to advance to that next section? And so if a family you, member fills it, fantastic. So do you think there's any difference between a spouse, kids, aunt, uncle, a- any, I mean, close family versus distant family, or is it pretty much the same? I think there's a big difference for it, especially when you have parents and children, because there is still that parent-child relationship right? versus an adult-adult relationship. So if you've got a sister or a brother that you're bringing in, you're going to have a very different relationship with them because they're more equal. You know, you're roughly in that same age generation versus having a parent child. And then there's also the side of the child that's working there and feeling I I need to 
express myself. I need to get out from underneath my parents' thumb, yet they're my boss. Yeah. And that can be very difficult. Yeah. I think working with a spouse is, it can either be a really great joy <laughs> or it can be a lot of turmoil. Yeah. I've seen family businesses where the spouses work together and they mutually agree that that's not going to be a good thing. Right. Right. And I've seen some where with some coaching and counseling, when one person makes some changes and they both realize that they're playing on each other's strengths, they do amazing things together. Right. So it also depends upon the personality of the owner. Are they willing to make some of those changes? Are they willing to give up some of the control? Because most times for business owners, it was about control in the first place. Right. And when you're asking them now to give mm -hmm. up control to a spouse or give up control to a child, that can be really challenging. Yeah. So probably the biggest um, family-owned business that I've ever kind of been engaged with was Kohler. And at one of the Remodelers Advantage meetings we had at Kohler, and one of the family members from Kohler came and spoke about, you know, the family dynamic and how they made it work in this gigantic corporation. And uh, I don't remember all the details, but one of the things that I do remember very clearly was she spoke about how when they were not at work, it was a total different relationship. And so would you comment about separating the work relationship from the personal relationship uh, and how to do that? I, I find it hard not to work at night. I mean, I find it hard not to put down the work, you know, when I'm sitting there and I go like, oh, I got to do that. And so how do you separate it if you're married to that person or, um, you know, it's a family. How do you do that? The best way that worked for me was you had to put rules in place that when you're at work, you can talk about work and family, like just general conversation might be okay if it's kept to a very minimum. Right. But after these hours, you may not talk about work. You can write it down and we can come back to it later on the next day when we are at work, but you don't discuss that. And you, everybody has to be on the same page with that to be able to say, whoa, Tim, you got to stop. We agreed that we're not, and everybody has to be able to call one another on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you fostering the personal relationship as well, you know, doing family activities together like they are a family and forgetting the business yeah. is important. Yeah. My dad and I used to go to breakfast every week. Once a week, we would get together for breakfast. And the rules were, you cannot talk about business. Hmm. We can talk about anything else that you want to talk about. But we will not talk about business during this time because this is just time for us. So I'm thinking there has to be a safety word. You know, it's like somebody starts talking and you go, dogfish! <laughs> or... Or, uh, you know, something like that. And everybody goes, oh, okay, now we, all right, got to stop that. Because it seems to me like, especially uh, many people know, I'm I'm not a great lover of conflict. It's not easy for me to say, hey, stop, you're talking about work. And so I, I think I would need some kind of fun mechanism to shift the conversation if somebody was talking about work. You know, I think that that's kind of the idea I had there. You could either do that or you could even say, okay, if you have to talk about this right now, if you don't talk about it, is it going to prevent us from actually having 
a different conversation after you get this off your chest. Like sometimes things just need to get off somebody's chest. Yeah. Sometimes they just want to vent about something and they and you need to ask them that. Yeah. Is this going to prevent us from actually going forward and having a good conversation and an interaction if we don't talk about it? Yep. Then fine. How much time do you need? Do you need 5 minutes? <laughs> Cuz we're not going to make this an hour long meeting. Right. That's that could be tomorrow. Yeah. But if you need to get this off your chest, then let's do that. Let's let's air that out and move on. Greg, that, that is a good point because a person I would I would marinate in that thought if this was a you know a a family business and I had to because because I like Tim I like to work I like to work at night I like to work whenever I would have a hard time so I, I like that idea of how is this conversation going to impact uh, the rest of our evening or dinner or whatever that might be yeah yeah so I alluded in the monologue Craig to um, the the dynamic of the family impacting everybody that isn't family. Have you seen, I, I've seen some very negative situations where it just almost everybody in the company that wasn't family felt like family was being treated uh, beyond special, you know, kid gloves and all that kind of stuff. And it just really hurt morale. And so I'm just wondering if you have seen that, or is that just something I've seen? I've seen it many, many times uh, where somebody's plugged into it and they may have even been moved to multiple different roles within the company because they just didn't know where they fit. And when they couldn't perform their job, normally the business owner would say, I'm sorry, but we're, it's just not a match for us. I think it would be better if you find a different position somewhere else. And they're let go. When you see a family member being moved from position to position to position because they can't have that hard conversation with them to right. say, you're not performing. Here were the expectations. Here's where you're performing to. If you were anybody else, you'd have been gone. And <clears throat> that's where the family side comes in because then they're afraid, well, how's that going to impact the relationship that we have later? Which right. is why it's so important to develop and keep those relationships that are separate from what the actual work environment is. But you have to have those same difficult conversations. If they're not performing, they need to be written up or give them a performance improvement plan or whatever your process is within your particular company, that still needs to happen. Yeah, I, I'm sitting here listening to that thinking like, and I think even in one of these cases, it was sort of like the business said to like the production manager, well, you... It's it's now your responsibility, but in reality, it was it. They still couldn't deal with this individual because they were son or daughter of the of the owner, and so that even though it sounds like maybe that will work, it doesn't work as well as just dealing with it. And it really can impact the overall feelings within the company yeah. for the non-family members because they know that if they weren't doing their job, they'd be fired. And many times they're trying to cover or they end up taking on additional responsibilities because they want to have this perfect job for their spouse or their kid or whatever. Right. And so then they give these other responsibilities to other team members and they're like, well, that shouldn't even be my job. It should right. be their project, their job, but they can't do it. So now I'm being saddled with it. and it can really be demoralizing for other team members. 
All right. Well, we need to wind this thing down, although I think we could talk for a while on it. But any last bit of advice, uh, Craig, maybe we said a whole lot of things in here, but any maybe uh, uh, the golden nugget or something like that that would just kind of leave everybody with a good taste? I think the biggest thing to look at is keep business, business and family, family. (laughs) And if you can separate those two things and if a family member does fit the need of the business, fantastic. Bring them on board because I've also seen where family members work way harder in those, in those positions because they want the family business to succeed. Yeah, They want the best for not just themselves, but for the family as a whole. And they feel if they can be a contributing factor to that, all the better. So I've seen some really great examples of that happening. And, but it always came down to the business had its needs and the family had its needs. And the business is there to support the family. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Craig. This has been really great. I appreciate you taking time. Absolutely. So Tim, you know, what'd you, what'd you get out of today's episode here? Well, there was a bunch of different stuff. There were several things. I love, I love the term that Craig used where he said uh, that a, a family member was just plopped in a position. I thought that's a very descriptive term of what tends to happen. It's like, here, here's your desk. You know, you're in charge of marketing or, you know, or you're in charge of this or in charge of that. So I, I really like that. I really like this. Um, distinction between expectations and capabilities. And I know it's a, it's really hard in an interview process to find out what somebody's capabilities are truly. And it doesn't matter whether they're family or not, but I'm just seeing it as a much more difficult process if they're family, because the emotions, whether we, whether we're good with them or hard or they're, they work us over are, are there. They're, they're very real things and it's very difficult to separate those things out, but setting the correct expectations and then measuring the person's capabilities against those expectations. I think what tends to happen is we put somebody in the position and then maybe we're, we're saying, all right, we want you to grow into this, right? As opposed to really seeing uh, if they fit. And probably the third thing that I, you know, I've been yakking about for years and years and years, and it's good to hear somebody sort of refreshing it is just systemizing the hiring process. And I asked Craig the question about, have you ever seen anybody, you know, put in the queue and they're going to be interviewed just like anybody else? And he said, yes, I don't think I've ever heard of that. I, I think typically, you know, you interview people and they say, well, man, I got a son over here that can do it, you know, just like anybody else could. And so getting that hiring process to be the same for a family member and honestly looking at that uh, from the non-family side, it's got to be hard, but it feels like that's got to be the way you do it. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I worked for a company here in Connecticut that was third generation. It was started in 1954. Um the, and, and what Craig brought up, and I, and I think a lot of our, our members rely on help from others. And there was that program through the college. Well, I know University of Connecticut has a similar family business program. And I just, I always appreciated how much that 
family invested into making it work really well. Yeah, I'd never heard of of those things. Of course, I've never been in a family, you know, family business, but um, but that's a really cool resource that's out there. And I, you know, if, if it's in Pennsylvania and it's in Connecticut, it's probably around a lot of other places around the country. And so I would highly encourage uh, companies with families to, you know, make a little investment and get involved with that and learn what you can from the people who've been studying it for a while. Because that, that's, that's where the truth of the matter is when there's good data to support what, what needs to be done and what, what you can do. Well said. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Craig Daimler for joining us today. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Would you like to hire Tim or myself to help fast track your growth? Please send me an email, greg at remodelersadvantage.com for more information about our production manager and design manager roundtables. To get more information about consulting for your team or if you have ideas for the podcast, please subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening.